Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel, and today we have an amazing guest in Sydney Barker of Open Door Capital. But before we dive in, I want to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thank you for making my day with that review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Sydney is in the asset management division at Open Door Capital, a mobile home park fund ran by Brandon Turner of Bigger Pockets. She is also the VP of Finance at Washington Street Properties. Prior to joining Open Door Capital, Sydney uh, served as the corporate controller for a $250 million IT company, as well as a senior financial analyst for a large public insurance company. Her experience includes various mergers and acquisitions with private equity firms, ERP implementations, SEC reporting, cash management, and strategy. Sydney also invests in and syndicates multifamily properties with a focus specifically on the mobile home park asset class. I also saw that Sydney is an avid polo player. So excited to learn more about that. Sydney, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Awesome. Maybe you can start out by just telling us your story and how you got into manufactured housing. You know, this has happened a few times in my life where I was just like, woke up one day and I'm like, I think I just want to buy a mobile home park. It, it was just kind of random. I, I had Googled, you know, multifamily real estate podcast and I came across Rod Cleef and kind of plugged into his, his community. And I attended one of his, his live events and, you know, everyone was excited about apartments and duplexes and quads. And, and I was thinking, all right, what is, what are, what is everyone not interested in? I was like, wow, mobile home parks are really not sexy. You know, like nobody was interested. And um, so I just decided that day I was just going to do it. I didn't know how to do it, where to start, um, but I just made a decision to do it. And two years later, now mobile home parks are probably the sexiest girl at the party. So um, it's definitely changed in the two years that I've gotten into it. Wow, that is fantastic. Was there something specific that you heard about or like a certain metric that was like, all right, mobile home parks are good? Or was it just everybody's looking right, go left? It was a little bit of that, but then it was just also, I got to thinking about, you know, and everyone talks about this, the baby boomer avalanche, you know, that generation not being good at saving for retirement. And it just made sense to me that affordable housing is, is something needed now. And it's going to be, you know, even more so in the future. And now that we've got, you know, the situation of, you know, inflation, hyperinflation setting in, it's become, you know, an even uh, more reason to, that that's an attractive option to, to offer people. That's a good segue uh, into the next question. You know, what hurdles do you think the manufactured housing industry, you know, will face moving forward? And, you know, inflation is a big one. A lot of people are worried about that. How do you think the industry will fare, you know, given the, uh, the, the next five years or so? I think the biggest challenge is, is the supply. I mean, you know, you've got mobile home parks being torn down. Um, and very few being built. And so 
it's kind of a dying breed. You've got a lot of municipalities that don't want them, um, even though the community really needs them. And a, a lot of the, the manufacturers, you know, for the houses themselves are just, as you know, getting crushed right now with orders. You know, we've been trying to put in orders and, you know, we're not, so some of them we may not get till, you know, second quarter next year. So it's really wild. So the supply is to me, the biggest hurdle for the industry. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, we just placed an order and same thing, you know, we're looking at, you know, halfway through next year. So it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Luckily wood prices are going down. So, you know, when we yeah. place the order, they're like, Hey, this is the price today, but it may go up once your homes hit the assembly line. And we're like, Oh my goodness. What do you mean? You know, but thankfully yeah, it's wild. When, 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 when do you think, uh, the supply will kind of settle down? You know, I really, I really don't know. That's a really good question. You know, I, I hope in the near future, but I think with, you know, wood prices going down, I know that there is more with the, with the COVID shutdown, there's more like, like my neighbor is in, he's a new home builder and he was saying how like resin is also, it's not just lumber that's experiencing extreme shortages, but resin is, is also in extreme demand. So I think in the next 12 months to, to 24 months, we should be back to normal, but you know, who knows at this who point, knows. what do you think? I think the same as well, probably a year and a half, two years. Yeah. Yeah. Sydney. So how did you come around to own your first mobile home park? So I, I decided, you know, to buy one and I decided I'm not going to start small. I think everyone starts small, like, oh, I'm going to buy a single family house or, you know, just one. And I, you know, something had inspired me. I was like, I'm just going to buy a big one. I'm just, that's, that's my step one. I'm just going to buy a big one. So um, I ended up teaming up with some people, you know, I had, I had no money to invest and, and I had no experience at all. So, you know, my only experience, the only thing I could really bring to the table was the fact that, you know, I'm a, a numbers nerd and, you know, I can, you know, my brain is Excel basically. So, you know, I, I knew that I could underwrite deals and, and analyze them. So um, that's kind of what, that's kind of value that I brought. And I just teamed up with some people that I knew could help me get the money. And um, I teamed up with a really great guy, Todd Murphy, who's my partner right now, who's just uh, operationally, he, he does such a great job. So, so my first deal, it was a broker deal and it just kind of had like everything that you're looking for in a good deal. You know, it just felt right. The, the lot rents were low. There were empty pads. You know, the units were not submetered. So it was just kind of like the, the perfect Juicy. deal. Yeah. It lots of value unique. add there. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so it was 71 pads uh, in Indiana and uh, it's, it's been a wonderful property. Um, we've, you know, done some improvements, infrastructure. We've brought in some homes. We've renovated homes and sold them. And uh, I've heard people talk about, oh, you know, pride of ownership. You go in and fix stuff up, and everyone starts doing the same. I actually saw that happen. You know, when we first took it, it was very neglected by the previous owner. And um, you know, with our team going in there and and just really trying to clean it up and make it nice a lot of the other homeowners started, you know, improving their yard and fixing up their homes. And it was, it was really cool to see that. So um, we still have it today and it's, it's been a wonderful property. That's fantastic. And I love that you still own it today. You know, do you plan on selling it? 
Not sure yet. Not sure yet. There's, yeah, there's, there's still, um, you know, stuff to do that we can do to it. So it's, it's still a good deal for us. That's awesome. Yes. That's very cool. What was, what was your toughest hurdle with that park? Basically just doing everything and not knowing what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just, sure. uh, you know, but, but you, you figure it out, but, um, you know, it, it was just, uh, it was just scary not knowing like, is this a good deal? Did I run the numbers properly? You know, you always second guess yourself, you know, and the last minute funding of money is always, you know, I, I think I, I think I lost a few years of my life, like that <laughs> week of closing, <laughs> there was like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in a wire that was missing. And I was cussing out the people at Chase Bank, you know, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was just wild. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. Pre-closing. It, it can be stressful. I've, I've been there. Yeah. So tell us about where you are today, you know, all the way from your first park now with, with Open Door Capital. If you could just shed some light on that, that'd be awesome. This is to me a great story. Um, there was a, a mastermind that I was in and, and one of the guys was like always encouraging, like, you know, put, put, put out there what you're doing, who you are, what you want. And that's exactly what I did. You know, I, I had no idea what I was doing, but I just kind of was putting my story out there and, you know, I got a lot of friends and Brian Murray, who wrote uh, the book Crushing It, he's with Washington Street Properties and uh, Open Door Capital. He heard me on a podcast. It was my first podcast. I literally had no idea what I was saying, but he heard me when did a meeting and uh, one day he was like, hey, we're going to, we're going to start this, uh, this project, which would later be the mobile home park funds. And he said, I might need your help one day. And I said, okay, just let me know when you're ready. And him and his wife ended up moving to my town. I'm in Alpharetta, Georgia. And um, they said, hey, we're, we're ready. We're, we're growing so rapidly and this is so successful. And, you know, we would love for you to come join us. So it's been an incredible experience working, you know, with this group. This team is the definition of what a team should be. Everybody's in their own lane, doing their thing, working together. And, uh, it's, it's been an incredible experience. We just closed our fourth fund. So that is so awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen it, you know, from a 30,000 foot view, what you guys have been doing and, uh, that has to be fantastic and, and a lot of fun, you know, every acquisition, but I mean, already four, it seems like when, when it just started, what was it? 2019 when yeah. you guys started your first fund. So, yeah. so that's, that's a lot of growth. That's, mm-hmm. that has to be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. So how do you all handle the management of your parks? You know, a lot of people have said that that's, you know, that's the biggest hurdle for them is the operation side of things. How have you all handled that? It's in-house. We, we don't use third party. Uh, we've got our own property management team here and we've kind of got some different situations depending on the park. Uh, I would say most of our parks have on-site management um, and it was kind of, you know, legacy, a legacy setup. Um, but those parks are mostly infill or project parks. So they kind of need that, you know, person there to, to kind of manage things. Uh, it's been, it's been a great experience. And then we've got a, a couple parks that are regionally in, in the same area. So we're able to kind of use um, an offsite park manager that can kind of go between the, the three parks. And that's worked out really well as, as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, having good on-site or nearby management, I feel is like the the biggest secret, right? Like if you have a good manager, yeah. a, a bad park, 
that has a lot of issues can can be very quiet. You know, yeah. it's just very dependent upon setting those expectations. So that's awesome that you guys are. Yeah, are and, doing and, it all. and all of our park managers, it's so interesting. They they really love the park and the tenants. I mean, they really take ownership, and we have not lost one park manager since all of our acquisitions. So wow. I think that's pretty impressive. That's impressive. Yeah, that's very impressive. I uh, I drove through one of the the open door capital parks in Grand Forks, North, North okay. Dakota. So I, I have two parks in Crookston, Minnesota, which is uh, up 20 minutes, 30 minutes east of Grand Forks. Okay. And we went through one, I'm not sure the name of it, but it's underneath of a big uh, water tower. Yeah. And I could have sworn, because you guys had just purchased it, there was probably 20 to 30 demos going on at the same time. And I was just like, wow, this is a lot, you know, there's just twisted metal, you know, so there, you you hit the ground running. So I'll give you that. That's awesome. We have um, an incredible guy on our team named Tristan Thomas, uh, that runs our, our infill. That's all he does. And he does an incredible job. So that's all. Yeah, that's wonderful. How do you all find your deals and, and source, you know, new, new parts to buy? Here at Open Door, we have our own acquisitions team. So a lot of it is is broker relationships. We we also have you know the the bring brand in a deal that's out there uh, that, mm. that people can take advantage of, and and that's we've we've done that a few times where someone's brought us a deal, and you know they get they get a nice little finder's fee for that, and it helps us, so it's a win win. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. What is your deal criteria in case somebody has a deal out there? got to be a hundred pads plus city sewer or, or city, city utilities is what we're after a hundred pads. Plus we do like the mostly tenant owned home model for, you know, if, if there are park owned homes, our process is we convert them to, to tenant owned homes through uh, lease to own contracts. Um, so I would say mostly tenant owned homes, I would say 70, 75% occupied. Nice. Yeah. That's great. So Sydney, if you were going to describe the perfect mobile home park, right? Like the one that is the legacy asset that you want to hold forever, what would the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes? It would be uh, maybe 15, 20 minutes out, um, outside of a major city, lot rents really low, all tenant owned home, city utilities, paved roads, brand new uh, infrastructure, underground infrastructure. Mm, now <laughs> I, you're I talking. think the hardest part is, is the infrastructure of a lot of these parks is just terrible. So lots yeah, of repairs have to be done. So so how about uh, brand new infrastructure, brand new roads? Ultimate all plastic, all rinsing. PVC, right? Uh, all PVC, yeah, all water PVC. lines, sewer, sign, sewer lines. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a, in a, a warmer climate. There you go. Yeah. No yeah. more uh, busted submeters in the winter. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Sydney, what common mistakes do new operators make? Uh, I think, I think the most obvious one is they, they underwrite for everything going correct a hundred percent of the time. And that's just not reality. Um, I think, you know, people will look at a deal and they'll say, Oh, I can manage it better. I can run it better. I won't have those expenses. And I would just encourage people to, to not be so optimistic. 
Um, because I think a lot of people try to make the numbers, they try to rationalize the numbers, you know, like, oh, I can run this at a 30% expense ratio, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe you maybe. can, but you know, be, be realistic. So I think that to me is the, the biggest mistake is, is people getting too excited and trying to make the numbers work when they don't. I agree with that. Yeah. I think that's a good, that's a good point. And you being the, uh, the numbers nerd, right. The underwriting, uh, queen, maybe give us some, some insights as to your underwriting and some of the conservative measures that, uh, you know, you make sure to include in, uh, in your performance. Okay. Well, um, I don't do underwriting for open or capital. <clears throat> Our acquisitions team does, but I, I can do underwriting and I have done it. Um, I, I think, I think the biggest thing is just making sure that your numbers are realistic and planning for, uh, people moving and this is this is one of the things that we do here that I really like is our team. We have a feedback loop, so you know we have this acquisitions team, um, and then I'm on the asset management side. And you know, like the other day, I was talking with one of the guys, and I was like, "We need we need to bump up our legal fee underwriting expectation because they've been a lot higher, you know, with COVID and you know people you know not wanting to pay and us having to you know try to pursue." our legal fees have, have been higher than previously you know, expected. So that's, that's one of the things that I've noticed, but I, I would just be conservative with expense ratios and not assume you can immediately reduce expenses, you know, keep, keep them, keep them the same. I think the biggest thing is focusing on the top line. I mean, revenue is the driver of all businesses. You can spend time trying to nickel and dime your expenses, but the biggest impact you're going to have is when you affect revenue. I love that. I, I think that is a very good point because, you know, in, in some of our parks, we're running a little bit high on the expense ratios and, you know, they're parks that we recently purchased. So, you know, maybe 60, 70% occupied. A lot of our expenses are fixed, right? Like they're not going to change insurance, property taxes. They're, they're about the same every year. Obviously yeah. they go up a little bit, but you know, whether you're full occupancy or you're 60% occupied, your taxes are going to be the same. So when you are more occupied, you're going to run a tighter ship and it, it just, you know, makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. This is like the most important question of this interview. What would you say, Sydney, are the most important things that passive investors, you know, we're talking about limited partners here, what are the most important things that they need to look out for when investing into mobile home parks? I think the biggest thing is you got to make sure you're investing with an operator that knows what they're doing. There's a lot of people, um, not just in the mobile home park world, but, you know, kind of in and around our industry, multifamily, even single family, that a lot of, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of hype. People talking big games because they you know, listen to podcasts and read a book and went to a conference. Um, I would bet, you know, any operator that you choose to invest your money with, um, look at their portfolios, look what they've done and really understand who you're investing with because it's a business. It's not, it's not a, a stock that you just buy and it just, you know, makes money, sends you dividends or whatever. Like it, it's a business and, you know, an operator needs to know how to run the business. So I would, I would say that's, that's the biggest thing. Maybe you could shed some light. Like how would someone be able to tell if an operator is running the business well or not? 
Um, I would say, uh, show me what your portfolio looks like. Show me maybe some financial reports, like some P&Ls. Maybe what would be the what would be like the first thing on the PL that you would look for? Would you look I like would a, look for? Yeah. Um, I would look for a expense ratio. Um, I would I would kind of see um, you know, are they do they have a bunch of different revenue items, you know, if they're charging laundry and pet fees and all these other miscellaneous items, that to me is kind of a cool indicator that they really know that this is a business. You know, they're not just charging lot rent. Let's see what else, uh, you know, are they running it at an efficient expense ratio? You know, I would look, um, and what's know, a ballpark, sorry, what's like a okay. ballpark, uh, you know, expense ratio that you feel is conservative that, that would be, you know, good for, uh, good to see on a, on a PL. I think I would want to see 45 or under, obviously under being, being more attractive. Um, but you know, it just kind of depends on the, on the life cycle. Like, like you said, y'all just bought some parks and they're higher right now. You know, we, we've gone through that too. I mean, when you first buy it, you kind of, you kind of take what you have. Um, yeah. and so I think what, what is kind of cool is when you look at a PL, I would look at a month over month PL. So, you know, like a, like a trailing 12 months, a TTM PL, you know, are the, is the revenue going up or are the expenses going down? What are the changes? I would, you know, as an LP, I would, I would make it an interview, you know, Tell me what you're doing. Um, you can, you know, it, when, when you talk to someone, you can kind of start figuring out, are they all talk or have they actually done something? That's a very good point. Yeah. A little bit of gut instinct, you know, as well as kind of checking what you can, you know, with yeah. the facts that are presented. Me, if you ask, if you ask for reports or something, the people that don't have anything won't have anything to give to you. So That's a good point as well. Ask, yeah. ask for some paper and see what you get. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put that in like the quotes in the show notes. Ask for the paper and see what you get. I like that. I love that. Sydney, how 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 do you think a $15 an hour minimum wage would affect the mobile home park business? The mobile home park business. I think that's such a much broader question. I mean, it 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 would it would affect the entire economy to me in a negative way. I'm I'm not I don't support that at all. So I I think I think there's just a lot of trickle down effects. I'm not, I haven't quite thought about or analyzed how it would affect mobile home park uh, specifically. Um, I mean, in all fairness, it could be good. You know, you've got people that do make less than $15 an hour as your tenants. So perhaps it could be good, but overall, I, I don't think it would be good for, for, for the economy. So I don't believe in doing some things that short sighted, like, well, it's good for me. You know, I, I would, I, I think it's more important to do something that makes sense overall. Yeah. It's been interesting. You know, I've, I've asked that question to a, a couple different operators and it's, we've had mixed results, you know, some say uh, that it would be bad, you know, because it would incline businesses to start more artificial intelligence and self checkout lines and things like that. Uh, and some are, some are, are for it and some are against it. So uh, appreciate your, your insights there. Sydney, what is the value proposition at Open Door Capital and you know what makes you all different from other operators out there? The fact that we have funds in, in our funds, you know, we're able to diversify. We can have a park that is pristine, cash flowing, consistent, and we can pair it with a park that, you know, needs work. You know, maybe it's 60% occupied. We got to do a bunch of infill. We may not see that cash flow for a little bit. 
Um, so, you know, we've had instances where some of our parks carried the other parks expectation for a distribution. So it's, it's just a great way to kind of diversify your investment and not putting all your chips in on one deal going perfectly because it never does go perfect. Yeah. There's always something, you know, there's always yeah. something that comes up and that's why it's so important to have that miscellaneous item because in your capital raise, because you know, these are, like you said earlier, these, these assets, these mobile home parks, a lot of them are 50 plus years old mm -hmm. and you know, the water lines, the sewer lines, you know, they just, they've been deferred maintenance on for, for a long time. So yeah. it's good to just, just have those reserves. Sydney, last question. What is like one piece of advice that if someone's like just considering the mobile home park asset class, what's one piece of advice you would give them that's like tangible that they can use in their passive investing? Uh, just someone that's, that, that wants to get started in mobile home park investing? Exactly. Someone that's just, just dabbling and is you know, trying to get educated and would like to, to dive in. You know, what's just like one of the most important things that, that they should know or that they should maybe get educated on or attend or something like that? You got to know this asset class. You, you, you definitely got to do some research, you know, listen to some podcasts. I, I started off listening to Frank and Dave, which is, was very helpful. It's very old school. So disclaimer to anyone out there that goes and listens to that. It's very old school. And honestly, since, since that, you know, education has been out there, a lot has changed. So um, I would say some of that is not necessarily re relevant information anymore, but um, I would say you've got to be, you've got to be educated. I know that in our industry, especially multifamily, there's like this, uh, you know, rah, rah, just get out there, just do it. Don't even think about it. Just do it with your, do it with your eyes closed. And um, while I appreciate the sentiment behind that, I also think I also value education. I'm, I'm a little bit of a different story. Like I, you know, I did go to college. I went to university, uh, finance and accounting. My degree, you know, I actually capitalized on. So I feel like nobody says that. I feel like everyone wants to go in there and bash, you know, education institute institutions. But um, mine, mine really did payoff. So I think education is important and whatever, whatever it is you want to do, um, become an expert in it and decide you're an expert even before, you know, everything. Cause honestly, you'll probably never know everything, but yeah, always learning. There's always, uh, you know, something else. I, I love just digging in and still listening to other podcasts myself. You know, I mean, I love Frank's podcast, the mobile home park mastery, uh, yes. Fur, Ferd's podcast, the, Mo the the Mobile Home Park Lawyer podcast is amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, so just there's a ton of information that's free at your yeah. fingertips that you can get, you know, just by dabbling into, uh, you know, to your podcast app. Absolutely. So I, I love it. And I hope, uh, hope this podcast is included in that list as well. I hope so. Um, yeah, definitely. Sydney, how can listeners get a hold of you if they'd you know, like to do so? I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Facebook. You can, uh, I can give my email address out. If anyone wants to get in touch with me, it's uh, Sydney, S-Y-D-N-E-Y at odcfund.com. Reach out to me. You know, if anyone has any questions, needs any help, I, I love to talk mobile home parks all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Sydney, it was an absolute pleasure having you. Wealth of information. Really thankful you came on the show. That's it for today, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you.
Would you like to see Mobile Home Park value add projects in progress? If so, follow us on Instagram at Passive MHP Investing for photos and awesome videos from our recent Mobile Home Park acquisitions. Once again, that's at Passive MHP Investing on Instagram. See you there.